Hey, everybody knows Weber grills. I've been using Weber grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood pellet grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. So you're a cripper, boy. Oh, around here, <laughs> as you notice, our logo is red and blue. Mm-hmm. We support both sides. There you go. <laughs> Bringing people together. That's it. Since 2006. When, when was Tailwater's form? 2007. You were close. Yeah. Our yeah. 11th anniversary is coming up in about another two months. That's right. We're going to have a part of that a little bit. We are, That's dude. Right. Cinco de Mayo. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Margaritas and crawfish. Sweet. Dude, crawfish? Crawfish. You are speaking my language. Man. I had a good day. We had uh, crawfish a couple weeks ago, and it was one of those things where... Um, we had like six people that were going to eat crawfish, maybe five or six people, six people. Yeah. And, uh, so we ordered like 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like a five pound guy anyway, myself right. usually, you know? So like, and then there's like women in this bunch, you know? And, um, one of the six was my mom and she like all of a sudden decided she didn't like crawfish all of a sudden for some reason. And then my, and then my, my best friends, uh, fiance was another one and she tried one and like you know if you're not pretty if you haven't dealt with crawfish much it can be a tedious product process right. to get it done you know and so she like picked through it forever and uh she i don't even know if she even ate it and then so it was like okay now we're down to four people with 30 pounds of crawfish and i just went off dude and there was one, there was one section. We had them on this ice chest, and I ate like probably like five plates. And I get down to the <laughs> sixth plate, and uh, and it, like there was a lot of juice in there. And I don't know, like I guess they cook these in a different batch or something. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Lit you up? Lit me up, dude. <laughs> I was sweating so hard. It was one of those things where, like, I try to be pretty tough overall, mm-hmm. but I almost cried. It was bad. Now I got a good friend of mine that's from. Marshall and his dad's Cajun so he 
fancies himself a Cajun. Mm. <laughs> so he went out and had crawfish. And of course, he orders the extra hot crawfish. Of course, he has a, a little bit of a drinking problem. Drinks a lot of beer with his crawfish. So he gets through the hot crawfish, no problem. The next morning, on the other hand, the crawfish spice was stuck underneath his nails. Ooh. He's just driving to work with the AC full blast with his hand stuck in the AC vents because <laughs> <laughs> his fingers were on fire. Dude, I had the same experience with this with this crawfish or similar experience where the next morning I, I when I got up and got in the shower mm-hmm. um, for I mean I took a shower my and my eyes when I started rubbing my face I started burning and then after I get this like five minute shower. And wash, every, you know, all I washed my hands several times at this point. I'm still like later on that that day when I would touch my face, I could feel it burning from mm-hmm. my hands. That's not like it's crazy, it's crazy, man. I don't ever seem that hot when I eat them, you know. If but you keep you, eating them, that's the thing, that's oh, the yeah. key. Like, you got to eat them fast. So, if you can't eat them fast, you're you probably don't like crawfish. Mm-hmm. But well, hey, we might have to do like a demonstration sometime. Maybe we'll do a crawfish demonstration when we Cinco de Mayo. do the Cinco de Mayo thing. I think it's perfect. Yeah. Well, how to, how to eat a crawfish. There you go. Because, like, I feel like uh, from here east, and we grew up east of here about 70 miles, mm-hmm. you start getting into this little, like, section where you're not really, like, southwestern, like mm-hmm. a lot of Texas people are, um, and you're not really Cajun. So you're like we get the, the best, best of both, both worlds because exactly. we get that steak, yeah, Tex-Mex yep. stuff going on, Tex-Mex, you get and the, Cajun all at the same time. Get the cow. No, there's a there's a distinct dividing line, and it's I-45. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You go east of 45, you can find pork barbecue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't find it west of 45, mm-hmm. but then you also get into your crawfish, and and that the Piney Woods is much more southern than it is Texan. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Out, so. yeah. I agree. It's it's uh, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but like it's it's kind of weird how um, Texas gets lumped into certain yeah cultures and stuff sometimes, and it's so regional. Though, yeah, people can't know? grasp how big Texas is. It's not, and I was thinking about this actually on the way here because we were driving through different parts of the state. Really, yeah, over seventy miles, you can see different terrain yep. features and stuff, and I'm thinking. As I've grown older and experienced more things and traveled more, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today, the more I realize that I don't look at things as state lines. When I was a little kid, it was really cool to cross the state line. I was like, I'm in Louisiana, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. But like... <laughs> nothing changed. Nothing well, it looks changed, just know? like home. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But like now, as I'm older, like every time that like the region changes, you know, you go from Piney Woods to Blackland Prairie mm-hmm. to, you know, Cross Timbers to where we are now, we're in the Trinity River bottom, you know, like... Yeah you start noticing that that's kind of what really matters as far as, like, an outdoorsman goes, you know, because you have different opportunities in all these different places. It's not really like crossing state lines or designating something as Texan or Louisianan or Arkansasian or however you're going to say that one, you know. It's, it's more about, like, <laughs> knowing that specific niche or that area and being able to recognize that, like, things change on a more micro scale than just state lines because those are human creations. Right. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean... Except for Oklahoma. That's completely different. <laughs> you, you feel a little different when you cross that state line. I cross the Red River. I'm like, ugh. I got to take a shower when I get home. I have a song that will be on my next album about that, actually. It's a, it's a, it's a positive note, though. Oh, it's, good. It's not a negative. Yeah. So. Sorry, Oklahoma listeners. So if you're listening right now, this is our Gone in 60 Minutes podcast. And we've got our good buddy... And manager, 
Yeah, sales manager. Sales manager of the Tailwaters Fly Fishing Company here in Dallas, Texas. And we're we're in the fly shop. Yes, we are. The company. We're in the lounge area of the fly shop, surrounded by our beautiful bar. Yes. And uh, So. so you're listening to Sean Polk. And we have a different side to Tailwaters than this shop right here. So what's that? So we have the retail side, which you guys are sitting in right now, but we also have a full-on travel service. So we are basically travel agents for approximately 40 lodges, um, primarily on the international side. We do uh, have a trip to Louisiana for redfish and about eight places in Alaska, but we also represent Mexico, Belize, Bahamas, Honduras, Bolivia, Brazil, Patag- uh, Argentina, Chile, Venezuela, when things are good down there, <laughs> along with Russia and the Seychelles Islands of the Indian Ocean. Those are Man. all places. Talk about the list. <laughs> yeah, those are all places. Is that, that Kamchatka? Yeah, Camp Ch- I forgot Brazil too. Yeah, I might have said that one. Okay. So, yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, it's we're definitely not the biggest one out there as far as fly fishing travel, but we do represent the same spots as all the other companies do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of all those places you just listed, how many have you visited personally? I think my total is only up to maybe six or seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's awesome. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Though I, I I like to say there's there's a couple bucket list trips I have been on one of the bucket list trips yeah so we'll talk about that one here sure cool. down the road so our plan today is this is our 60th episode and 60 is a weird number it's not like 50 it's not like 100 those are round numbers but 60 splits three ways pretty evenly <laughs> and Casey and I. Being very poor and not working at fly shops and fly <laughs> companies, have not maybe done a ton of traveling, and so we needed some help. So we brought Sean on to do this for us, and he's going to have some incredible destinations and and tips uh, or ideas why he want he he likes that spot. And we got the same thing going on, so we're going to split it twenty for each guy here, um, and. The first thing that I'd like to do, though, is for us to kind of go around the horn and talk about what our favorite thing about traveling is or um, why it's important or maybe it's not important, but we just like to do it, whatever that might be. So we'll start with you, Casey. Uh, For me, you know, traveling does a lot of things, of course. Um, I'm not one of those... Uh, basic white girls is like, I love the travel, you know, like I don't love it for the travel itself, mm-hmm. but traveling has so many benefits. Like I, I'm, it's just like, I've talked to you before too. Like I don't camp to camp. I camp to hunt. I camp to fish. I, I do all these things. And travel is like a means to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you go to these places, you can learn so much that you can, take back with you and apply to everyday stuff whether that's your outdoor lifestyle or your life or just uh people you encounter or whatever you have all these experiences that help you build who you are and that's kind of what i really see as a benefit to travel and then kind of more on a outdoor scale it's crazy how you can go to places and learn about like a quarry so like whether you're fishing or hunting or whatever you're doing 
how that can teach you so much about the thing that you get to do back home all the time. So, like, for instance, I go to Colorado and fish. I can learn a lot about what it's like to come back here and bass fish in East Texas and apply things that I learned there to what I get to do often. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm kind of my thing on travel. And I like to eat a lot. So (laughs) traveling and eating are kind of, you know, they go hand in hand. Eating's good for sure. Yeah. What about you, Sean? Well, I think part of the whole travel thing is, like Casey said, it's a it's a means to an end as far as going out and finding new species. For me, it, most of my travel has been centered around trying to catch a new type of fish. Yeah, and going someplace I've never fished before. So there's there's that cool thing, you know, you're checking off the list of species that oh, I've never done this before, and that's kind of how it started off at. But now it's gotten around more to the experience of just leaving leaving texas and go and see what's out there hmm. you know i i get a kick out of not only catching a new species but talking to the locals you know meet the local culture you know eat their food see how they live you know find out you know what these guys do day in and day out so you know i love talking to my guides and like so when you're not guiding what do you do you know what hobbies and stuff and it's it'll blow your mind what you know this this guide and a back back backwater third world country and you talk to him and the dude like knows like pop culture and knows more about u.s politics than you do <laughs> and he's like what <laughs> um, yeah. so yeah i mean that that's 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 a lot of it now it's it's not to sound cliche and total white girl but oh my god it's all about the journey <laughs> <laughs> hey that's true man but I mean, yeah that's it it's that's part of it dude it's see some cool stuff out there and you leave your your comfort zone yeah yeah Oh, I agree. I mean, for me, there's, uh, I mean, I'm in agreement with what you guys say, and there's a lot, um, a lot to it, man. There's more to it than even we've had the chance to, to kind of lay out for the listener so far. But, uh, I, one thing I have talked to you about this before, um, my, a lot of my friends or, uh, guys that I weren't even like great friends with, but like, you know, we hung out, uh, in school or whatever, you know, in high school, a lot of these, these buddies of mine from high school, um, you know, I'll see them. I'm, I moved back to moved back now to like more towards where I grew up now. Um, and I'll see these guys around, around town or something, you know, maybe the convenience store. I saw one today when we stopped to get gas and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say, well, um, say, hey, you know, what's going on, man? What you been up to? And most of them, this is just part of growing up small town, blue collar. um, And I'm the same way still, blue collar, you know. Uh, But they just kind of go, oh, just been working, you know. And I don't even know where they work, really. So, like, that's, I guess, usually my next question. I'm like, hey, I hate to say this, but I don't know where you are. Like, what are you doing, you know? But, um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to carry a conversation on sometimes. And I feel like that, um, you know, I've got, like, I've got a list here of 20, like we said, places, destinations that I think everybody should either go or not go. Uh, but through the band, I travel all over the place, you know. I mean, um because they didn't have to pay for it, you know, so not, at least not often. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, you know, that's, I have like a ton of experiences. Um, and so like, I feel like anywhere I go, whether it's talking to one of my high school buddies or, 
hanging out with you, Sean, or uh, if I'm, you know, when we come to the shop uh, in a couple months and meet people that are here, you know, just being a part of this, you know, grand opening celebration uh, anniversary, um, like I'll have something that I might can relate to a lot of different people. And, oh, one time I saw something like that too, you know, and it was mm-hmm. really cool, you know. Um, or yeah, I've been up there to Minneapolis, you know, we went this last summer, you know, just things like that. It kind of helps you be relatable and carry on conversation with people that normally, like even, like I said, even though, even these guys that I grew up with, like I can't even carry a conversation on them sometimes because there's, there's nothing going on in their life really other than just work. And that seems to be the most important thing because they always tell me that, you know, so it's kind of, it's, that's, that's one thing that I like, um, about traveling and, I, you know, I, I still relate to, to my buddies there, I guess, um, because I'm still broke, <laughs> but I choose, I choose to, they actually have more money than me, like no doubt, um, because they're hard workers, you know, well, but that's all you ever do is work and you don't spend any of it. You're going to have some, I, that's the way I think of it. You know, it's like, I mean, I could, I can, I can sit here and work a lot and I'll have some money and have like that financial peace, you know, and, yep. Uh, but I uh, won't have the experiences. So, you know, one way or another, what are you going to have? You're going to have money or you're going to, you know, and you, some people have both. So <laughs> these are the people that uh, book with Tailwater's company. <laughs> well, it helps. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's anyway. why I get to go travel. It's not because I'm making it rich at the fly shop. Right. That I've been given a lot of really, really cool opportunities and very fortunate that mm-hmm. the place where I am that I've got to go out and do a lot of the stuff. But For sure. There's a lot of it though that I did outside of the fly shop, so I mean uh-huh. you can you can do it on the cheap and dirt bag it. There's no doubt. For sure, we've yeah. been doing oh, it for yeah. the last several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean it it all it all boils down to it doesn't all boil down to this, and this is why most of our most of our talking points today will be fishing yeah. <laughs> because when like Casey was saying, you go hunt. Uh, What'd you say? Something about rats. Tell yeah, me that okay. Again. So <laughs> the example I used in the way here was like, you can, you know, hop on a flight somewhere for, you know, $150 round trip and buy a $30 fishing license, fish for five days sometimes, you know, as an as a out-of-state resident, or no, I mean, an out-of-state non-resident. And then if you want to go hunt and have a similar experience, it's going to cost you three or 400 bucks for out-of-state license to go do this thing and then well, you're going to have limited access and limited opportunity because it's so much harder to hunt you got to get your weapon there and then you only get to shoot one thing usually when you go do stuff as opposed to fishing you can show up hop off the plane fish the creek next door you know yeah. like, it's like that fast your actual statement was uh you're gonna spend oh. 120 bucks to kill a rat that's or right that's what it was yeah. <laughs> i said you're gonna buy a small game license for 120 bucks to shoot rats that's <laughs> you <right>. know <laughs> so like it's uh it's definitely cheaper to, to do the fishing thing overall i mean i'm sure you've been to some pretty exquisite lodges or you guys probably book some yeah. you know um that you get a you know you might have had a chance to go with some guys that have done that thing and or you've at least seen it uh pretty you know somewhat firsthand and um i mean it just it does it, it kind of does come down to like you know do you want to spend uh 50 bucks or more a night on a hotel and on a three or four or five day trip spend you know 150 to 250 bucks extra or do you want to camp and sometimes do that for free you know mm-hmm. right uh or or cheap and so like those things that's one thing and you do that like over the course of like maybe three or four different things and you start saving you know 500 bucks on a trip and you go and do something for what you could make in a day or two at working you know yeah. and so it, it you gotta you gotta choose how you do it but um you know i think 
I think uh, from this point, man, I think it's a it's a good time for us to step in and start telling the listener uh, what we came to tell, and that is we've got uh, destinations um, in mind that we either can say that's a great place to go or a great time to go do this at that place or that area or don't go do this and uh we've got a few of those we actually had one that we all three chose <laughs> we were like this is uh this is a bad situation right Which now it's funny because that's like the one place you expect to be on the list of oh, oh you yeah. should try it like, yeah nah, nah. I, I didn't want to offend you uh when you told me you're like do y'all have this one on there and i was like yeah, did you pick it good or bad? I did the same thing. I was like, you should say good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. We all are agree. Because I don't want to go and roast this place before yeah. <laughs> when you're thinking it's cool. That's yeah. the only one I, well, there's another one I'd roast, but mm-hmm. not as bad as that one. Yeah. I, tr- so. I try not to put too many of the bad and ones. I'm going to let those guys say that one. Y'all can figure it out yeah. on your own. I love every place. <laughs> all destinations are great. They, they really, they I mean, they really are. You got. Yeah. You, I think you got to have the experience of like a mm-hmm. bad situation sometimes to uh, to kind of grow and to learn sure. something. You know, and I mean, you got to remember that sometimes, like what we think as adults, like at this point in our outdoor journey, uh, as being like kind of rough and not really a great place. As a ten or twelve year old, you might think it's awesome, you know, oh, yeah. and, and like because that's how small your world is. But then as you travel and you do all these things, things change. We talked about that recently. I think something like that. How? Oh, the the ram. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a cool thing back then. Mm-hmm. I looked at that picture last night, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, one thing before we get going here, I want to say is this place is awesome. Yeah. If you haven't been here. Well, thanks. It's in Dallas, Texas. It's on the west side, but the east side of the train. <laughs> the Libby's in the, the backyard. We're, on, we're, in east, we're in west Dallas on the east side of the Trinity. That's right. Basically, yeah. we're, we're in the design district in between downtown and the Trinity. Yeah. Exit Continental, right? You can do that. That'll yeah. take you uh, just north of the gel. But uh, if you can think of Irving Boulevard and Oaklawn. Okay. A Better bit closer. Gotcha. Cool. We're Maybe. on the uh, a little bit rougher side of Oaklawn, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's exquisite in here. I mean, there's just like, they got all kinds of gear. It's huge. I was shocked when we first came in here. First time I had been here into this location was at the Full Draw Film Tour last year. And I like the photography in here, it just makes you like when you come in here, you're automatically like, take my money, you know? Like, <laughs> it's, that's it's, what we're here for. That's and, exactly. uh, <laughs> if nothing else, I've got free cold beer yeah. every day of the week. They're they're just lucky people here that yep. get to work here, but they got cool swag, cool hats, cool everything's. I mean, even the sales managers are pretty cool <laughs> most uh, of the time. Most of the time. So anyway, uh, we'll get to going here. You know, the first uh, the first person that I want to go is me, <laughs> and, uh, and so I'll start us out. And I'm going to start with my big my big dog here. Uh, this is a, we're going to go through, like I said, uh, destinations that are worth going to and destinations that you probably should stay away from. So I don't know exactly how that's going to work out, but we're going to just go. And so, uh, Sean will be right after me and we'll just keep a little round robin going here. So my first place is Lake Williston, British Columbia. And that's pretty, uh, that's pretty specific, but, uh, generically or overarching would be British Columbia, uh, in general. I, I feel like that place is awesome. 
Um, I got to go film a sheep hunt the last two years up there. Um, and the lake is the seventh largest in the world by volume. Um, and man, we saw stone sheep, uh, grizzly bears. We had like kind of an grizzly, a grizzly encounter, like three, 400 yards, you know, <laughs> he took off luckily. Uh, the black bears are like coyotes to them. I mean, they're literally, they're just, all the residents are like, and the guides are just like, yeah, we just shoot them every chance we get, you know, and it's all the time, you know? <laughs> so, uh, we got to see, a, I saw a wolf both years, a black wolf. Oh, dude, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was incredible. Just the experience there, beautiful country. And it's close enough to society that you don't feel super, uh, like, uh, like locked out of, uh, you know, I mean, if you don't want to get lost, but you can get lost pretty quick. Like, uh, you definitely don't want to miss your flight in Fort St. John. <laughs> we did that. Go back and listen. And the lake trout fishing is top notch. So Sean, what about you? Well, I was going to start off with my, my first one, but I think I'm going to save that for a bit later. Okay. A little teaser. Mm-hmm. So the Battenkill river in Vermont. Oh, cool. So there's a certain like mega fly fishing company that has bat and kill this and bat and kill that mm-hmm. and bat and kill everything. So I used to work for that company many moons ago and got to go <laughs> up there for some meetings and got to go fish that famed bat and kill river. Super beautiful river. Horrible fishing. <laughs> oh my goodness. The locals are like, yeah, if you catch something out of here, you're going to be doing pretty good. So, oh no. Yeah. It's a beautiful river though. But yeah, we, I got to fish, uh, the, the owner stretch as they mm. called it. So you thought, oh man, this ought to be pretty good. But yeah, really not that many fish in that river. Dang, so <laughs> bummer, <laughs> bummer on that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to put that one as like beautiful to visit. Not so much on the fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That was. uh, It's a good tip. I know. So yeah, that was kind of cool. That's like uh, when they talk about classic storied rivers in America, and especially up in the Northeast, Mm -hmm. is one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got to fish it. I didn't catch anything, but (laughs) I got to fish it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring it a little closer to home, at least in our state. Okay. Mm -hmm. Terralingua, Texas. If you ever been to Terralingua, Texas, it you Dude, wanted you fish to get like there. Did you fish like a ditch out there? Okay, There's so no water. This isn't fishing. That's <laughs> the key. But neat thing is, I was on top of a mesa in Terralingua, Texas. There's a pila up there, like a, a a water tank. There were little catfish swimming around that pila, and this is way up on top of a desert mountain. So I don't know how they got there. I didn't have a rod, but it would have been cool to catch one just so you did it. But I was out there. Uh, uh, with work actually and got to hunt some javelinas and man javelinas are a vicious creature like by far the meanest thing i've ever hunted or messed around with like really don't don't want to jack around with them but it was a really cool place and it, the javelinas like are just kind of like the way to get you there but the scenery and the beauty of that far 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 west texas stuff it's just going. unreal, man. It's unreal how cool it is out there. And now that the bighorns are kind of making a comeback, and that's actually kind of why we were out there was with the bighorn restoration stuff. And uh, it is just so cool to get out there and be in a place that uh, it feels so empty, but it's a good empty. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really good deal. Cool, man. That's well, awesome. Um, from there, I'm going to take you to northern New Mexico. It's a place called Vividal. Yeah. Um, it's fake. Is like, isn't un- that Val Kilmer's place? I, I don't know. This was uh, this was originally, I believe, um, 
an oil company, maybe, oh, who was it? An oil company, like owner, uh, like a big, one of the big ones, like Chevron Shell, something like that. I can't remember. Owned this and owned, or owed a ton of taxes. Yeah. And I think they it ended up coming into um, mm-hmm. the New Mexico fishing game or whatever, the National Forest System or whatever. I don't, I don't know exactly the story there, but, man, this place – it's um everything's green everything all the grass there's clear flowing beautiful rivers that are just kind of amber colored uh and creeks uh, rainbows every afternoon i mean you will see a rainbow it's going to rain and you're going to see one i mean uh rising was, to dries or what uh yeah real grand cutthroats <laughs> okay <laughs> real grand cutthroats rainbows in the skies <laughs> real grand cutthroats uh underneath the skies yeah and uh they would rise to uh caddis and hoppers uh pretty cool. well we had a kind of a rough go at it i've heard i mean i've heard it's like 100 fish days could happen there but we didn't really have that happen uh, is that all public or it uh yeah it's all public right oh, wow, now okay it was 35 miles from from pavement where we were at oh, i mean man, that's awesome either way it was un- unreal dude we i mean like big elk we saw elk everywhere i mean so y'all got me stuff i gotta add stuff to my list of stuff to do now <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is, it's gonna happen <laughs> thanks <clears throat> the listener has their pen and pad out hopefully tell but, my wife our bank account's about to get a little <laughs> bit smaller <laughs> <laughs> that's it mine can't go much smaller so I can cut it in half, and I'll have sixteen dollars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's that's about all I had to say about that. And we did see Miriam's turkeys, and uh, we actually have a video uh, called Valley of Life that's on the internet uh, from that trip, and you can see some of the time lapses, some stars, and just day time lapses and stuff. They were man, it was just beautiful. Well, cool. I'm going to continue the uh, New Mexico theme. Mm-hmm. So outside of Pecos, New Mexico, which if you Go to Santa Fe, Pecos is about 20 minutes east of there, and then you go to Pecos, then you go about 45 minutes off the pavement, up and down Forest Service roads, get to a place place called Cow Creek Ranch, Mm -hmm. Um, set up in a valley, about 4,500 acres. Now, this is one of the very few places I've been to that's actually private water, but if there's Disneyland for trout fishing, it's Cow Creek. Really? Um, it's not fishing as much as it's catching. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I've been to Cows, New Mexico. So this is Cow Creek outside no, Pecos. This is north of Pecos, I believe. Well, this is, you go to Pecos and you spend about 45 minutes on it. It's, it's set up in a valley. It's surrounded on national forest land on all three sides. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a guy here in Dallas, a real estate developer. It's his place. He bought this place from the original family. He was in a bidding war with Don Johnson for this place. Bought it, fixed it up a little bit, and then told the guy, said, hey, start stocking trout. And it's got all four species. And he said, I'm going to fly up here every two weeks and fish it. When, I'm, when, I, when I say it's done, that's when you stop stocking. 18 months later. At 50,000 pounds of trout, nothing less than 16 inches. He said, all right, this will do. Holy smokes, dude. So it's got browns, brooks, rainbows, and cuts? Yes. Man. Um, the bottom seven miles is all manicured. He built like 40 holes structure. Oh, my god! Built six le- six ponds. He calls them legs, but they're, they're tanks, mm-hmm. um, which that was a whole other story about how he got his tanks and permit 
didn't have permission, but a little political donation to the governor. He got permission to build these tanks. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, but the upper section of it's all wild native cuts. Yeah. Um, so, so Rios, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's yeah. cool. And so a, are the but the ones in the lower section are those Rios as well, or are they? Uh, they could be. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I I do know that to go and catch a twenty five to twenty six inch rainbow or brown was not unheard of. It was like. I got a twenty six. Guys, like, well, I did too, and I did too, and I did too. I was like, okay, oh my gosh. So, yeah, that's, that's probably nuts. one of only. There's another place that I, that's on here that I went trout fishing, that was along those same lines. And so it's but. it's open to the public for a fee or whatever. Or? For a fee, yeah. yeah. Some of the guide shops or fly shops in Santa Fe, you can get day access. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pay a rod fee, or you can rent the whole place out by the week. Yeah, man, so, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm going to take us uh, across the National Divide okay. and uh, go on up into the square state of Colorado. And going to go a little more urban, though. Mm-hmm. So in Montrose, Colorado, the Uncompahgre River runs right through town. And I fished the Uncompahgre, never saw another soul fishing, and had one of the best days I've ever had. I was catching just slob rainbows. I mean, nothing long, but, you know, that 15, 16-inch fish, you know, good good fish, a couple browns along. In a, like, afternoon, I caught, you know, in 20, 25 fish, something like that. Not another soul in sight. There's people jogging by. Uh, there's a junkyard or, like, a, a, what do you call it, like, iron reclamation place like you can see the fence of it right here next to the river and i'm out here wet waiting because i'm actually elk hunting <laughs> oh i'm up there and i'm just there to fish and i'm just slaying fish and it's the funnest day they aren't giants but they're eager the place is awesome and if you don't get a chance to go to tailwaters because you're in colorado there's a really cool little fly shop there in town with a really old guy who will give you a free patch that he makes that has like a rainbow on it and stuff. So I think that like back in the day when people wore vests all the time, yeah. they'd sew these patches on their vests like as like a little membership thing or whatever. Yeah, he's still a vest guy. But <laughs> man, it was just like a cool experience, you know? And it's just like one of these little overlooked fisheries that nobody ever hits. And then if you get the chance and you have a little more time, you venture out of Montrose and go up river a little bit to uh, the back, the tailwater of uh, Ridgeway Dam. Back there, Ridgeway Reservoir. I think they call it Pachapichuk or something like that. It's like stocked just with giant Snake River cuts and giant rainbows. And if you ever see like a 25, 26-inch rainbow coming out of Colorado, it's probably from that little bitty stretch right there. Mm -hmm. And they're hitting like 28, as high as 28 little bitty, you know, midge larvae and stuff. (laughs) It's crazy. But it's a cool little river, man. You you probably had like an incredible like mental state. Also on that river, Dude, it's had, like one of those euphoric moments yes. when it just gets even better. Zen was mine that day. We'll talk more. We'll talk more about why later. Yeah, for sure. So I'm gonna. I kind of like this thing we're doing. Where we're like, like have this ge- geographic route that we're running. Kind of. Yeah. Not that it's any particular direction, but like, I don't want to just take it right now, at least from Colorado to like somewhere you know way off. Um, for some reason, I just feel like that. But we can keep following the roadmap. I'm, I'm following I mean, you guys. I yeah. like it. If you if you guys can stay I with can, it, yeah. I know you've got some stuff that's out there. But um, yeah, but I can keep following this roadmap for a ways. Okay, <laughs> so 
I'm going to come. This may not fit into your roadmap. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come back uh, kind of towards home a bit. And uh, I'm going to, this is in northern Oklahoma. And uh, we had a place up there uh, several years ago that we hunted deer. Um, and the place was, um, the area was like intermittent with CRP um, and creek bottom stuff. And then a lot of wheat was the ag in the area. Um, and for those of you that don't know, pheasants like to eat wheat. And there was birds everywhere up there. Like we had, for one, if you look at a map of the U.S. Uh, with the like uh, quail distribution, Oklahoma is like a stronghold mm-hmm. Um, for quail. And so we had a ton of quail there. And we also, um, I guess because of just the great CRP and the wheat in the area, man, we had pheasants like crazy up there. I mean, like it was all you could do to not just hop out every time you saw one on the side of the road. They were just in the ditches. And, man, we had this CRP field that was like, I guess they get pretty good rain up there in that area. Um, we had the CRP field that was like over my head for most of it. And we walked through that thing and we were just jumping pheasants. We couldn't even see them most of the time. They just, <laughs> like, you know, and go off or whatever. Uh, but man, like, I think we shot a limit just walking that field right next to wheat and mm. you don't, you didn't have to dogs or nothing, you any know, any chance I mean, that's public up there. There's not a lot of public, okay. unfortunately. Uh, I actually haven't looked to see if there's much public in that area. Um, but I do know that we there was a lot of that stuff is uh, either I know a lot of it's private in that particular area, and then uh, there's some a couple little outfits out there and and like this place was um, or one of the guys in town there uh, that was in association with the landowner that we hunted on he had like pretty sure he like had deer hunters mm-hmm. and uh they didn't know but he had bird hunters and turkey hunters and all. <laughs> it was kind of like call call before you come even though you're leasing this year round you know so but it was yeah the, the bird hunting in north like north central oklahoma was pretty pretty amazing at least yeah. back several years ago all right gonna put that on my list of places to take my dog next year you got a bird dog yeah i got a Brittany man Dude. Oh, cool i got a french, that's what i want a french Brittany. I don't know about all that French yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know what that means. They, they're smaller, and they're like... Mine's tricolor. So oh, he, that's cool. He's speckled red and black and white. Oh, cool. That's pretty cool. Smaller, yeah. That's cool. Tolbin is his name. Tolbin. That's my that's my bird dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see if we can have a whole other conversation. We could. All right. So I'm going to bring us back on the roadmap we were going earlier. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it takes us back out there. So Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Mm. On... Uh, Shoot, man, I forgot the name of the river. Oh, Yampa. Yampa. The Yampa. Yeah. Yampa. So the, you got the Yampa, but on the Yampa is the only private tailwater in Colorado, Catamount Dam, which is just below Stagecoach Reservoir. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, I get to do some really cool stuff with my job, and this is one of the cooler things I've done. So we got to go up there, checking out this ranch one time. And the guy's like, hey, so if you guys really want to do some good fishing, we can go to this other place. It's a, it's a, it's, it, you have to usually pay a rod fee, but we got you guys taken care of. We're going to put you out here. Cool. This was in February because I remember it was over Valentine's Day. And, um, Do you have a wife? Not at the time. It's <laughs> a good deal. Didn't even have a girlfriend then. So it's oh, perfect. Man. Perfect. Um, <clears throat> but there was like three feet of snow. We were wearing snowshoes to get down to the river. 
But when we got there, um, you had about a 300-yard stretch from the dam to a fence, and that was your section to fish. And there was the next section was like a mile long, and there were guys that had the next section below us were fishing at our fence, casting upstream. They're like, there's got to be something about this. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, they want to fish this water, but that's as close as they can get. All right, cool. So in the course of the, the day fishing, rainbows, cut bows, and browns, nymphs, midges, streamers, dries. My biggest fish was a 25-inch cut bow. Man. Um, I didn't move more than 50 yards. <laughs> all day um because there was snow on the ground i had a bottle of whiskey that i just snuck i stuck it in the snowbank behind me so yeah we'd go catch a couple fish walk over there take a shot get back to fishing um truly like holy crow and i I told the guy so what do i catch him always like just pick something throw it in the water (laughs) (laughs) tired of telling people what to throw (laughs) yeah so usually i listen to the guide and like all right well you set my rig up for me he set me up a big old thingamabobber with an egg and a san juan worm and i just looked at him said you you gotta be kidding me he's like no seriously this is all trashy yeah so after about five fish doing that, that's when I started going through my fly box, just seeing what I could catch them on. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, you can use dries in February. Dude. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. That's Put that so on cool. your list of places to go and experience if I've actually, you just want to go catch stupid trout that doesn't take any effort. I've, uh, I don't know if I fished the Yampa River, but uh, there's a music fest up there in Steamboat that I went to in, yeah. I think, 2008. Good, a cool deal, you know, like... The town's just cool like, people. There's a couple know. Texans that show up for that one. Yeah, there's a few. So uh, I went up there and, and uh, we skied. That was the first time I – only time I've ever skied because uh, you get this package. It's like a music – ski during the day, music at night kind of deal, you know, and that's what we did. And I wanted to work some fishing in, but I don't think we did. But, yeah, cool area up there. Yeah. I'm going to stick in Colorado. Sure. And talk about why I was on the level of Zen mm. whenever I was catching this fish last time. Because I had just arrowed a over-the-counter archery bull elk in Colorado. And if you've never been elk hunting and you want to do it, you want to try it out, there's no reason to go and try to do it outfitted or try to wait until you accumulate all these points to draw a good tag. Like the availability in Colorado, if you're willing to put a little bit of work into it and walk a lot, there are plenty of elk. You went with me, with me last year. We should have killed. Yeah, we should have killed some elk yeah. a couple times, right? Like, you will have an experience. You will learn how to elk hunt, and it is so cool to get up there and do it. And then that year, I actually took a bull, and the cool part about it was is that um, I got to do it with my family. I got to do it with mom and dad. They pe- helped me pack the elk out. And then I got married that year, and me and my wife ate elk meat for pretty much 11 months and 20 days until I left the next year and didn't kill one. But <laughs> <laughs> anyways, it's just a great experience. If, you, mm-hmm. if you've never done that and you always dreamed about elk hunting and you're able enough, able-bodied enough, go and do it because there's no reason to wait. It's not expensive. I did that whole trip for less than $1,000 as long as you split gas with two other people. Yeah. And it can be done. So... Our roadmap, yeah, 
You want to mess it up again? I'm going to keep it in Colorado, actually. Oh, wow. How about that? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. <clears throat> Colorado's a great state. Um, but our roadmap has caused us to probably get off of schedule, and I don't care because this is a good combo. <laughs> so we're... Uh, yeah, I thought your schedule was a little facetious like, whenever you first started. Was it? Yeah, oh, it's going to be way more than 60 minutes, I can yeah, already yeah, tell. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be. But so. that's, that's awesome because there's a lot of good stuff going on here. Yeah. I was worried There's about this. There's good synergy in the group right now. <laughs> there is, man. We've got some conglomeracy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so Colorado. I'm going to head back up to the north a bit. And I'm going to say the Rocky Mountain National Park. It's one of my favorite places in the world. It's not a place you're going to catch huge trout, but it's beautiful. I mean, the vistas are unreal. Just huge mountains. I think they've got... I don't know. I don't know what the biggest peak there is, but um, in like in the park actually is, but it's worth talking about apparently because people go and try to crest it, you know. Uh, but they're just and it's it's unreal. Like there's a reason it's it's one. It was one of the first national parks, you know. It's just it's unbelievable. Um, and because <clears throat> because it's so high, like the weather in July and August is like you know, mid seventies or whatever. And it's just like, it's the place for me to go when it's 105 here, you know, and humid. And it's like, I, when I go up there in July, it's like a, just a huge, you know, breath of fresh air <laughs> figuratively and literally. Um, but the, the one thing that I love to go up there and do is catch the almost native or almost hundred percent pure <laughs> native greenback, uh, cutthroats up there. And that's like, one of the most beautiful natives I've seen. Um, and you get to catch them in like legitimate postcard setting high mountain lakes, you know? Um, and most of, most of the park is like, it's within a pretty close range of like decent amenities and lodging and stuff like that. So if you're not like the camping kind, um, I mean, you've got Estes park right there and, and it's one of those things like you take your wife and, or girlfriend or whatever, and she's going to have something to do as well. Cause it's like, shop central there i mean just all kind of niche things you know that that women like so um i like doing that there's a ton of elk in the park i took a picture of one last year uh you could probably scroll back on our instagram and find it a giant giant elk in velvet a um, bunch of mule deer got a pretty actually my background here is from rocky um and there's a pretty good mule deer right there. Yeah. <laughs> pretty big in. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's uh, the, oh, the, it's, you can also fly into Denver for, for cheap usually, uh, like via Spirit or Frontier or something like that if you look. And then it's like 90 minutes to the park yeah. um, if you're in a car. And the Big Thompson, you can come in down the Big Thompson. There's a road that follows it. Pretty fun. Like solid, solid rainbows and browns in there and, like really cool uh pocket water and stuff in there it's it's fun yeah all right well i'm going to continue on we're going to detour to the northwest a little bit but the rogue river in oregon Mm. so buddies and i we flew up to sacramento and then drove about four hours north of medford and spent about four days fishing this river in the winter time looking for winter steelhead which if you get into steelhead fishing, you've got the winter runs and the summer runs, and the summer runs are it's beautiful weather, it's nice outside, and you get a lot of fish, but they're on the small side. But the winter run, you're swinging for the fences. Not a lot of fish, but they're going to be the biggest fish of the year. 
So he said, you know, we're going to swing for the fences. He went up there, and my one and only wild steelhead was caught up there on the very last drift of the first day. Oh, man. Oh, cool. Um, which was awesome because the next three days would have sucked if I hadn't caught a fish. Um, because there is a certain point in your mind you start going, are there really fish here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure there's fish here. Maybe let me go back and fish that spot. No, got to keep fishing. Um, so, yeah, that was a, an awesome trip with a couple buddies of mine. And this is a trip that you can do on the cheap. Now, I'm sure there's probably campgrounds and hotels, but we went up there and we were couch surfing. Um, made some friends with some dudes up there. And they're like, dude, come up here and stay with us. One of them had a trailer in his backyard. He goes, I got a travel trailer. You could sleep like four dudes. So cost of airfare, split the cost of a car. And then, you know, we ate at his house. I think we might have eaten out like two or three times. Um, one of the coolest little dive bars I've ever been to in the middle of the day and where we were, you know, playing ping pong and eating, you know, basically bowling alley hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking really good beer, mm-hmm. you know, and we met a dominatrix that was spanking one of the guys. So it was a, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on that trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, the Rogue River, if you haven't been in the Northwest and experienced those coastal rivers, they're absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, everything's lush and green and the water's clear and you got mountains in the background and winter steelheading is cold and miserable, but <laughs> do connect, you're like, yeah, this is, it's all worth it. So, yeah. That's, uh, I'm going to be heading up there this summer, actually. Yeah. So where you're flying... Uh, we're flying, I think, to San Francisco. And then I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a chance to catch the McLeod Red Band oh, on the sweet. way up through in California. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a chance, I think, if I can talk like the other three non-fishermen on this trip <laughs> into like just giving me a few minutes. Uh, and then we're going to head up through Oregon. And I don't know, that's a good, you know, that's something I'm interested in seeing, you know, is Out, outside of there. Texas, I think the Northwest would be like my next spot to live. Mm-hmm. Really? really? God, it's just yeah. There's so much water up there. If you want to mm-hmm. fish, it's just you know I you went up there. You can't drive without crossing a bridge. Going, oh, that's a, there's a spot to fish. Yeah, <laughs> went up there. How was it? February? I mm-hmm. think I went up there in February to uh, alleviate my brother-in-law and his wife so they could go um, on a vacation for a couple days mm-hmm. when we were taking care of kids <laughs> and. Uh, but I got to fish a little bit, and I went to a fly shop, and, like, I just, I wanted to catch fish, you know, and then, like, they started to set me up with steelhead stuff, and, like, I was like, I just want to catch something while I'm here, you know, <laughs> but I went ahead and went and did the steelhead thing, and uh, needless to say, steelheading and a nine-year-old and a two-year-old don't go together oh, very well, yeah. so I had about 30 minutes worth of fishing time, which You were was, the nine-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> I, I cried a lot, <laughs> but it was, it was worth it either way. Like you said, the, the view is just beautiful, and then just to see, like, those, you know, like, just, the rivers there are just different, oh, you yeah. know? It's That's- just like... And it's if you're not prepared for it, it's almost a little bit uh, frantic because the water's so fast sometimes yeah. and stuff, you know, but it's cool. I would like to make it back up there. I don't know if I... I will. I don't know when, but it's it's neat. But so since we talked about really really cold things, I'm going to take us down and warm up a little bit. Uh, we're going to hop on a plane from Sacramento and come on down to. Well, where are we going to fly to? I guess you could fly into Corpus. 
We're going to go to... Dang, we're going across country. You and I have talked about this. Padre Island National Seashore. Yeah. Right here in Texas, all right? This place really taught me... Um, I had a very basic understanding of the outdoors growing up. I understood that I liked to hunt and fish and just do the redneck thing. And then Pins is what we call it, uh, Padre Island National Seashore. Pins taught me to appreciate more than just the fish or the animal. Pins taught me to appreciate the place I was in and appreciate the moment. And it's hard to explain. You just need to go experience things like this in, in your own place. It's special to you. But when you are driving down a beach going five to 10 miles an hour searching for, you know, the splash of a fish or, you know, a certain terrain change in the beach, which have you ever been to beaches? There aren't a lot of terrain change, you know, <laughs> but you can see, you know, when, when the uh, submerged sandbars are changing and when there's breaks in them and stuff. And when you really get down and you examine details like that, man, it just appreciates, it, it increases your appreciation for a place so wild. And it's almost, and this is going to be pretty cliche, but it's it's almost poetic because you can see so much more depth to what is actually there and what most people get to see. Most people read a book. Some people understand books. It's kind of what it's like at the beach, and it's pretty cool. And then to add as a bonus, <laughs> if you go walk around up in the sand dunes, you can find whitetail sheds. I found like five <laughs> whitetail sheds in one day out in the, in, the, in, the, in the sand That's in the so beach. That's so cool. It's crazy cool. And then if you make it all the way down to the jetties, there are like 15, 20 pound jacks going nutso on mutt oh. that are making their suddenly migration. Hmm. And you can hammer those things. And then every once in a while, a school of uh, menhaden will make its way out the jetties. And it's just the kingfish and bonita explode. I mean, it's just the craziest amount of what you would think is like tropical style fishing. It's in our state, man. It's like accessible. That's something I've never really had the chance to do. I would love to do is that kind of fishing yeah haven't done a lot of inshore type stuff you yeah know. and it's 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 really good for the fly rotter you know mm-hmm. like uh, yeah you can go down there and surf cast and i've done it and we the whole reason we started going down there were for big sharks we'd go out you know go down and run a big hunk of ray or a bonita or something out and drop it off and wait on a big shark but while you're sitting there waiting you got to find something to do and i fell in love with catching the stuff you know in the weight gut and, and stuff out of the kayak you know let me tell you something. You chase some bonita down in your kayak, you feel like you've done something all right. <laughs> Them suckers can move. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a blast, man, especially if you have fly rod in hand. Yeah, and that's well, cool. It's funny. But while I was waiting for you guys to come up here, I got a text from my buddy who has done that trip quite a bit. Yeah. So I talked about you guys and said, hey, you know, I got some guys maybe wanting to go do down there, maybe do a film or something. He's like, who are those guys that want to do the SP trip? So, because I kind of picked his brain a little bit when we were fishing last week, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Dude, you got to go when there's a northern front comes in." Yeah, when a northern pushes down, because now the wind's coming from the, from the shore, mm-hmm. it lays that surf down. He's like, so he's like, you know, September, October, look for that, and yeah, yeah, make your run. So it's like, that's All cool. Right. Instead of yeah, instead of sweating your tail off trying to find white tail. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not a That's bad idea. I was like, October sounds really good. Yeah. Both season. Yeah. Mm. So maybe like that little bit of September. Yeah. yeah. Or 
first week of my tail, honestly. Mm. It's so yeah, hot. It's so hot. That's, yeah. I mean, it does kind of stink. Cause yeah, but that's the year. first cold front. That's what he's talking about going. Oh, I know. Oh, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, Golly. if it's early October, you're going to be wanting to be there. We've yeah. had a good time in, in like mid-July because it seems like that's when the most tarpon are there. I don't know if that's the case yeah. or not. You probably know better than I do. I but. talked to a guy that he, a uh, customer today that I fished with down on Padre. He's got a condo and he goes down there and he probably spends six months out of the year. Yeah. And he said that He's seen a, he's seen tarpon as late as November. Mm. He said the water's seventy five degrees right now, so mm. they're already there. Yeah, because wow. Because that's what the and we'll talk a little bit about Florida here down the road. But um, the tarpon migration follows water that's about seventy eight degrees mm-hmm. roughly. So if the water's already seventy five in Padre, yeah, those tarpon are starting to to filter through. Wow. So it's early, yeah. but. Yeah, that's, happen. man, that's on the list as a tarpon for me. I jump, I've jumped six down there, not on a fly rod, but I've jumped six. I haven't landed one yet, and believe me, it is an addicting thing. I can imagine. I had right? so like my most epic experience. I may have told this on the podcast before, but I was trolling big rapalas off the back of the kayak, you know, on some on some decent size, you know, light tackle rods, and jumped a tarpon. I actually was reeling in one of those rapalas and jumped a tarpon from me to Sean, which is like seven oh. or eight feet. <laughs> And the sucker smokes it, and, you know, he explodes as soon as he – because there's tension right away, you mm-hmm. know. Explodes, comes up out of the – it's like a 90-pounder. Comes up out of the water, wham, right on the front of my kayak. Throws my Rapala at the same moment. But there's tarpon slime on the front of my kayak, and, like, as the salt clears out of my eyes, it's just one of those moments when you're just like – <gasps> like you literally scream out loud because it was just that cool. Such it's a cool experience. Totally is. Yeah. I talk about tarpon all day long. <laughs> Let's go do it. Let's yeah. go do it. I want to do it, man, so bad. I've landed tarpon in three countries. I have not got a Texas tarpon yet. That's man. the one I'm looking for on my list is a yeah. Texas tarpon. It's cool, man. I'm jealous. So I'm going to keep us on the road map in the area. Are you? I'm going head to head to up, I guess, to Port O'Connor. Okay, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a bad one. This is a bad one. This is a place not to go. But this is because I probably don't know what the heck I'm doing. And Sean's probably going to be like, oh, if you just did this, you could probably <laughs> catch them all, you know, whatever. Uh, but I uh, I had, my dad had a friend um, that's been a friend of our family for a long time. Uh, we call him Coach. And he had a boat down there in Port O'Connor and uh, gave my dad the key. and was like, y'all go down there and catch some redfish and some trout and stuff you know and we we're like okay let's let's go do it so we took off me i never done anything like this you know um and so we get down there we get the boat we hook it up we take it we launch it and we go out and we didn't know what we were doing we didn't know where we should go so we just started like we we're like okay let's not get too lost here in this like marsh grass stuff whatever that is called um and so we we kind of stayed in the open we found this little like cut where there was like pretty good current coming through um these two little points or whatever, you know. And so we docked the boat up, walked down the beach. Somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was, caught a like a puffer fish. I don't know if y'all have ever done that. Yeah. Wait, were y'all on the surf side now? Uh, I don't know where we were, dude. You said beach, but you're talking about marsh grass. I mean, like, it, did was, you cross it was sandy. The... I mean, there's... Were there big waves coming in? No, not really. Did you go through a jetty? Yeah, uh-huh. you'd know if you went through the POC jetties. No, no yeah. we didn't get through jetty. Okay, well, it just it would be just weird to catch a puffer in the yeah, bay. Caught a puffer. Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's like 
pretty good fishing. I don't know. They caught a dolphin down in Laguna Madre. Are you serious? That's on cool. fly, dude. Yeah, like, it was like a little chicken dolphin. Yeah, still. Our mahi mahi, our yeah, dorado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Laguna Madre, they caught like a little really baby baby dorado. That's cool. So, that's Wait, cool. so anyway, somebody caught a puffer fish. Caught a few of these little weird looking fish, you know. Didn't catch any trout, and didn't catch redfish. And so we get ready to head back in that evening, and uh, we don't get far in the boat before we're like, "Why are we not going anywhere?" And the tide had gone down. <laughs> so, so a bunch of lake fishermen learning we, about tides. I'm telling you, dude. Hey, that's one <laughs> of them deals. Did you not see the prop shooting sand behind? <laughs> no, it wasn't at the at the time. Uh, it was just really stuck. And uh, so <laughs> we had to we had to get out and walk this boat for like 400 yards. And finally got back into like a channel or whatever, you know. Find any oysters along the way? No, I that's didn't. good. You're lucky. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And then uh, we, uh, we, it's probably why we didn't find any fish, I guess. But uh, then we took off. We fished the next day. And, we, man, we, we went looking for, like, reds. You know, all you hear about is tailing reds, you know, whatever. Backs out of the water. Didn't find any of that. I never saw a red the whole trip. Didn't catch a red. Um, and so we were like, man, let's go kind of late afternoon. We we're like, let's go find some birds. Get under them and see if we can catch some stuff. Maybe we'll catch some trout. Mm-hmm. We had, I had read about that on the internet. So we did that, and we caught a ton of sand trout. Yeah. That were all like a quarter inch too small. <laughs> Every also, one of they're them. all like 11 and three quarters inches. Dude, I'm telling you, man. And uh, we ended up keeping three. I guarantee you we caught over 100. And we, we ended up keeping three. We did see a like a actual dolphin, uh, you know, the gray porpoise or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and he was like, hammer and sand trout when we throw them back in the water you know like yeah. he was he was there he was there so i mean he would like be nowhere to be seen and all of a sudden you throw a sand trout back and he'd be just like and like you're like a shark you know whatever. <laughs> but uh it, it was it was uh it was one of those places like don't if you don't know what you're doing and we didn't don't go to port o'connor okay. or probably anywhere in the inshore <laughs> man i would i would say that's most saltwater fishing dude it's it's like anything else it's it's a learning curve and you got to spend time on the water mm-hmm. so i wouldn't discount porto just based on that yeah there's a there's a reason why there's a lot of people have houses in port o'connor mm-hmm. but it's just like anything else man you gotta spend time like yeah for sure you probably go out to lake fork do pretty good right that depends, man. Well, <laughs> that if depends. it's cats or crappie, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm usually fishing for big fish, so yeah. I can definitely go out there and not catch one a lot of times. So, yeah. so. kind of same deal. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, yeah. I mean, I talk to a lot of people there at the lodge that I can tell when I get done with the conversation, they're probably not going to catch one. You know, they just mm. they don't know that they right. don't. They don't know. They don't know. You know. So mm. anyway, that's all I got to say about that one. All righty then. <laughs> well, I'm going to continue my trek up north to Forks, Washington on the Olympic Peninsula. That was very, very close to there. It's so, just the Quinault. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we we stayed right there. Okay. There's a there's, there's a lodge right there on that river, which is just downstream of the Queets and mm-hmm. the Solduck mm-hmm. converge. And the Quinault's about six miles before mm-hmm. it empties in. Um, so some of you might be familiar with a little movie called Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Which corrupted the town of Forks. <laughs> it was a sleepy little village before that stupid movie came out. Now it's 
Probably not so much anymore, but for a while there, it was a lot of goth kids running around trying to find vampires. (laughs) 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 Um, But back before the movie, when we were there, um, no, cool little place. So once again, it's those, um, once again, there's so much water on the peninsula to fish. You've got the salt duck, the queet, the hoe, the quinault, um, the hoe. That's hoe. where uh, what's his name, Mick Dodge lives on the, the hoe river. Do y'all know Mick Dodge? Dude, the legend, of the Mick legend Dodge. of Mick Dodge. That dude is cool, man. I don't care what anybody I says. I have got a funny story about the hoe river. Yeah. Um, so, buddy of mine, my buddy of mine that grew up in uh, south of Seattle, he's like, "Hey, you got to come up here. We're gonna fish the peninsula." He goes, "It's like." two and a half hours from seattle i was like well to get pressured he's like nah people over there won't drive won't, won't drive that far to fish i'm like we do it all the time down here in texas <laughs> he's like yeah it's different up there it's like all right so we went up there um stayed in forks rented a car um so but so we he's like hey let's go fish the hoe and we were there in october and what we we're trying to do was time in between the silvers and the kings the kings run early than the silvers. We were trying to find them when they were both crossing. And there's also some late steel, uh, summer run steelheads. So we go up to the Ho River, and we and it's a reservation, the Ho Reservation. So we go to the reservation, and we go to the, the tribal office, and there's a guy in there. And we're like, hey, we're trying to get permits so we can fish. He's like, did you talk to Wally? Like, who's Wally? He goes, my cousin. <laughs> Who's your cousin Wally? He's a game warden. You got to talk to Wally. Like, well, no, we haven't talked to Wally. He's like, well, I'm going to Wally's house. You want to go? Sure. <laughs> so he starts walking down the street. And we're like, <laughs> do you want to ride? Yeah, sure. So he jumps in our car and he takes us to Wally's house. Wally's like, sorry. No, it's closed to non-tribe members. He goes, but you can go across the river and you can fish over there. All right, fine. So we drive an hour to get to the other side of the river we get over there and the river's only like 60 feet across well there's a cast net going about or rather a gill net going about 40 feet of the river this is at low tide so the the mouth of the pacific is right there cast there's gill net and then us and uh we're sitting there fishing and trying to find some fish and the guys were in the gill nets oh the salmon aren't in yet okay well, we walked up the river a little bit, ran across this Indian kid. He's probably about 14. And we're like, hey, you seen any fish? He's like, I caught like one silver. Oh, really? Cool, man. And I had a flask with me, so I take out my flask and take a <laughs> chug. He's like, do you mind if I get a hit? I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just come over here so my uncles don't see me. I was like, uh, what are you going to do with that silver? He's like, I don't know. Give me some whiskey. It's yours. Okay. <laughs> so we had sil- so we had salmon that night, dude. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> it was like oh, every gosh. stereotype you could think of. Um, yeah. Bartering with a teenager. Bartering with a teenage Indian. <laughs> whiskey, fire water for fish. Oh man, that's a good so, song right there. Yeah. Think. But um. Anyway, so I will say that we hit it. The fish really weren't in. They hadn't had enough rain. So I'm going to give this one a can be good, can be really grind yeah. to try to find fish. Yeah. Um, 
So we ended up actually driving back to Seattle, going to a place called Flaming Gorge Reservoir, which is a state park south of Seattle, and we got into fish there. Um, it was like the last-minute deal where I caught a really big king, jumped in the car, pulled up and caught my flight home with like five minutes to spare. It's cool. It's kind of how we were in <laughs> Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, my buddy that he was staying for a couple days, so he had the rent car, so he was in his waders. I was changing out of my waders on the ride to the airport. So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Me and Tyler have talked about actually just uh, for the novelty of it, wearing your waders to the airport and just like getting getting off and fishing. You yeah, know, just I, like not even worrying about changing. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. So... Just don't uh, carry your boot foot. So, you know, when you go through TSA, you got to take everything off. Yeah, that would be stinky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah stock Dude, I went through way to go. Uh, Dallas. Last time I went to British Columbia, I went through Dallas, and they didn't make us take our shoes off. They didn't do that in Seattle either. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because so the Wicked Witch of the West right there. Uh, they are. <laughs> Whoa, E.T. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of forks, we're going to come back and just talk about fork. Lake, Lake Fork, Texas. All right. All right. Yeah. Right here at the hometown. Yeah. So Lake Fork, Texas. Tyler and I um, both grew up on this lake and have both caught some big, big fish out of this thing. And it's not saying that we're good. It's just, I mean. It's a great lake. It's a great lake. And you got to put in the time to catch the big fish. It's just all there is to it. I mean, you can come down here and be lucky and come on down if you want to. You know, you you and the 300,000 yeah. a year. Yeah, Over exactly. 300,000 You year, and the other 2,000 boats on the lake that weekend can try, <laughs> you know. but um, Is that just during the McDonald's tournament or the rest of the Dude, there's a tournament every weekend. Yeah. It's, it's, there was one this weekend. Yeah. It was unreal. I mean. It's crazy. And actually, it's like the champion or the Skeeter Bass champs. Those are the ones that like get real, real busy, it seems like to me. But uh, They're all nuts. Yeah. It's all kind of crazy. But uh, in my opinion, I like to fish the lake on the hottest days there is. And Tyler's different on this, and I'll let him tell you about it maybe later uh, why. But um, those bass in the summertime – go out and they're super super patternable whenever it's super super hot and they are on a bluegill pattern and that is what they do they smoke bluegill between 14 and 21 foot of water all day every day and i love it and it's so much fun when you go out there and actually catch a few fish you know because fork i mean if you can get into fish you're gonna catch some pretty good fish i mean you gonna catch some five six pounders you know which is a good fish you know everybody goes to fork to catch the 10 pluses of course but it's just a good time you see the guys on TV, the pros, like, if they catch a four. Oh, they're freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, It's just for sure. Like, we throw five pounders back and don't even look at them yeah. sometimes, and we kind of take for granted the fact that, like, across the nation, a five-pounder is a giant. Yeah, it's a good fish, and it's fun to catch them. And, okay, so the thing that makes it for me about summertime, though, the hot, hot summer, is the lily pad fishing mm. in the evening. It yeah. is. It, Dude, it is killer. And you might only catch one or two fish, but the takes are aggressive. (laughs) And you're like pond fishing for fish on a world-class fishery that has, you know, I've caught multiple eight-pound fish on topwaters in the Lidpad Cove in the middle of summer. You know, you talk about an eight-pound fish eating a topwater, it is on. Like, that that is is what you live for bass fishing, you know? That is so awesome. That's cool. For the first, like, several years of my fishing career, I fished a tiny torpedo 
only. Dude, I was a jitterbug guy. <laughs> but even when, it didn't matter what the conditions I'm, were. I'm with you on the hidden brand lures, but I was a jitterbug guy. <laughs> yeah, I jitterbugs, and now it's gone to you know Dalberg divers and throwing the old fly rod and that kind of thing. Mm. But it's all it's all good. Yeah, um, I'm gonna stay right there at Lake Fork then. Yeah, my my uh, go to my favorite time of year, the time that I think you should go. Fork is there's not a whole lot of times when it's not you know a good time to go unless it's the mcdonald's term (laughs) (laughs) Um, but my favorite time of year is early early march and it depends on the weather sometimes uh but you can even late february the best probably the best overall day that i've ever had on fork was february 22nd we had like a week hot spell and when we're talking hot spell you're looking for like really like 50s to 60s at night really like the nights are what makes a difference a lot of times on fork because you know you can get 75 in the day but if you get down to the upper 30s at night the lake's temperature is still going to stay pretty cold kind of like right now kind of like right now kind of like right now and there have been some big fish caught at fork this year um but um we had like i said in late february we had a day where we we were just hopping along bank fishing in the evening and in about hour and a half or two well probably about two hours we had like 13 between my my dad and i it's pretty good you know oh yeah i mean if we're catching five or more we're happy uh in the evening and so we had like 13 and we get back to the back and the it's like right it starts to get that like golden hour like close to sunset and we look over like right across the cove and i'm like uh, they're schooling over there. And so this is back in the back, you know, close to a creek bend, and, uh, but up on the flat. And they, they're schooling. So we, like, take off over there, and we start chunking. And in the next 30 minutes, we ended up with 48 total. Oh, man. Up to eight pounds. Oh. Jeez. It was, and this is, like, February, man. And apparently, like, with that warm spell, I guess a group of shad had just come in no. and back, you know, migrated back, and bass just followed them probably from that deep water. Man. And it was nuts. But in March, early March, uh, March 10th was when I caught the biggest fish I've caught. Um, and the same area. Um, but that time of year, the fish, those big females are moving up and, like, staging on, like, secondary points if the water's right. Um in close to creek bends, close to uh, big stumps and stuff like that. We don't have the grass we used to have. Um, and, man, it can be like if you're fishing like three three foot is going to be like the shallow side of what you want to fish really. But, I mean, out to like eight, ten foot sometimes they'll be staging on those big big stumps, you know, and, man, throwing a jerk bait and letting it sit right next to one of those things for a second. You can catch them fished it like every time i set the hook that time of year it's like i'm scared it will be on there <laughs> it's scary all right well i'm gonna change things up a little bit do go it. back to some river fishing so this is going to be the white river and norfolk river in northern arkansas so we get people come to the shop all the time they're like oh, i want to do some trout fishing oh yeah there's a trout fishery about three hours away <laughs> but if I really want to trout fish and get in some really good quality water without like 2,000 other people looking over my shoulder, northern Arkansas is where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, about seven and a half hour drive from here. And the awesome thing about the White North Fork, not only are there world-class trout fisheries, but 
you've got probably about 48 to 60 miles of water that you can fish Mm -hmm. um, between the two rivers. And so you've got two tailwaters. Um, My favorite time thing to do is I've only, and I've done this like once, and it makes me want to go back there every time I think about it, is night fishing with mice. Oh, dude. (sighs) Dirty. (sighs) It was. It was freaking fantastic. So some buddies and I went up there. There's a big thing called Streamer Fest at the end of January. Yeah. One of the fly shops. We'd gone up there for Streamer Fest. We had a house on one of the shoals. And so we'd been fishing all day and kind of fishing the shoals and uh, drifting the normal indicator with some sow bugs or something below it. And one of my buddies had done a drift trip, but the water was low that week, and there were not a lot of big fish moving around. So we'd had dinner and had a cocktail or two, and I'm like, man, I always heard about this night fishing. I'm on suit up, so I put on my waders and grabbed my eight weight and grabbed some mice, walked out in front of the house and just started throwing as far as I could across the bank and stripping it back. A lot like bass fishing. So talking about throwing topwaters for bass and pond fishing, just like that, but with mice at night. And about every five minutes, you hear this, Oh, my gosh. Every fish was well over 20 inches. Golly. Wow. That I landed. Yeah. And it was it was about every five to ten minutes you had a strike. And we spent about, Buddy and I spent about two hours. And it was only about 100-yard stretch. We would cast, take a couple steps, cast a couple steps. And we just kind of did like a racetrack through this like 100 yard stretch but i think about arkansas and i'm like i want to go back just to night fish because that was one of the most coolest things i've ever done so oh, man yeah yeah that like that, you got me you got the same thing you were talking about earlier like i'm gonna be spending some money to go up there soon yeah. <laughs> that one so the cool thing about that is they're at the on the on the white there's a state park at bull shoals so now you can mm-hmm. camp yeah, you can camp at the shoals. And there's a lot of people there, but we went to a place called Wildcat Shoals, which is about eight miles downriver, river miles, and there's a public ramp right there. Well, just like everything else, you got access to the shoals at the ramp, so you just got to walk in the river, and as long as your feet stay wet, yeah, you're still legal. Wow! And you walk just a little ways down, and you get to that one spot where you're at, and. I'd say pick a full moon mm-hmm. when it's clear and just throw big old black streamers and mice and you're going to find fish. Man, they're yeah. hanging out there. Have you That's fished cool. the uh, shad kill there ever? Man, I never – haven't done that. Dude. Yeah. I've, I've, so I've fished that wintertime and I've done a couple trips in the summertime. Mm. Never hit the shad kill. And then there's also two – there's a really good like terrestrial hatch. Like big foam hoppers. Really? You can hit that. Man, I've, I've heard it's as early as like March and April. And I've also heard it like in the fall, right before they start um, to spawn. Mm-hmm. Like Because the spawn there is usually November. And then I've heard of a mythical squirrel hatch. <laughs> squirrel hatch, huh? Yes. <laughs> so one of the guys up there that we kind of work with, he's like, dude, there's a squirrel hatch. Like, what are you like, seriously? <laughs> so if you ever, like, okay. look into taman fishing in Mongolia, yeah. they throw these big limbing patterns. He goes, it's like that. You're throwing, like, squirrel patterns for big trout. You're kidding me. I know. 
It's this mythical thing. I've, I've heard about it. I've You've never seen anything on it, though. Never heard anything about it because, you know, there's there's stuff out there that the people in the know don't talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. It's tight lip. That I, I, I know about tight lip stuff. I think this might be one of those tight lip things. There so could we're be talking s- baby squirrel patterns. Baby squirrel patterns for big trout. Because they're, like, they're falling out of the trees. I'm about to go home and toss some sugar oh, water patterns. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It sounds pretty epic. It really does. I'm like, dude, that sounds awesome. Awesome. I might yeah. have to try it. That's crazy. So, but I will say the big mice patterns at night, northern Arkansas, legit, That's done cool. that. I think about it all the time when it's cold. I'm like, oh, I need to go back to Arkansas, go night fishing for mice. Yeah, man. That's cool. Well, I'm going to stay in Arkansas, but we're not going to catch fish that big. That's okay. <laughs> uh, we are going to use squirrel <laughs> patterns, but it's a game changer and just little squirrel strips. But uh, so – I, as well, wanted to avoid a certain place yeah. uh, that you mentioned last 4th of July. Me and the wife wanted to go do something cool. We love mm-hmm. being on the river. We both love yeah. to fish. What are we going to do? You know, like the hill country in Texas is much further away than, you know, some of that lower right. Washtaw Ozark stuff. So uh, we decided, you know what? I'm going to pick a random river in central Arkansas, and we're going to go there, and I'm going to try to catch some smallmouth. Yeah. And that's what I did. Went to the Cossatot River. In Central Arkansas. I didn't want to guess that, but yeah. I was like, dude, he went fish the Costa. Yeah, I did, man. <laughs> it was it, in my mind. I was like, that's what he did. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm glad somebody else, I mean, of course, I figure you probably would know, but like, it's, I had never heard of it. Looked it up a little bit. They're like, yeah, there's smallmouth there. There, and I go and catch smallmouth, you know, and it was cool. There was, it was the 4th of July, beautiful weather, all right, nobody around, and I'm catching smallmouth on a five weight. On a fly. Yeah, and that's America right there. Dude, oh, yeah. that's what it's all about. And we're down some gravel road in the middle yep. of central Arkansas. You know, there's banjos playing in the background. It's just sweet. You know, that's what it's all there's about. sparklers and Bud Light and hamburgers. Dudes <laughs> <laughs> and wife beaters, but God bless America. We saw an eight-foot timber rattler while we were there. I mean, it was, oh, a, it was a cool oh, trip. Dude, that just gave me the Sorry. <laughs> they don't go in the water. He'll be fine. He showed me a picture. It's pretty dirty. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, dude, the Costot River, central Arkansas, go there. Just not while I'm there. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did the same thing, uh, you know, trying to avoid uh, said river that hasn't been said. Yeah. Um, and we did this uh, two, not last, or maybe it was last spring break. No, maybe two spring breaks ago. Um, my wife has spring break. I'm not a spring breaker anymore, <laughs> you know. So, like, my wife uh, teaches. But your wife is. So, yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we went to the Washita, uh National Forest there in western Arkansas. And I cannot remember what river it is. I could look and figure this out, but I haven't so far, and I'm not going to do it right now. But, like, the water is like glacial blue water Yeah, where we were at. I don't know if it was that way for you guys. No, here was just low and clear. It was unbelievable. The mountains were legitimate mountains. I was completely thrown aback. I mean, it was just, like, huge mountains and complete wilderness, remote, nobody around. We drove for an hour down National Forest Roads, with, and we saw two vehicles pass us the whole, for an hour of driving. Um, like I said, the water was like the prettiest blue I could imagine. Super clear. I caught like a, mm, I'll say 16-inch trout, probably a 15-inch <laughs> trout. Uh, rainbow trout, and was catching smallmouth in the same rivers. Yeah. And, I mean, it was, it was cool. cool. Man. It was, what river was this? I don't remember. I had to. I had to do some checking on that while y'all are talking. I think you think trout and smallmouth. I mean, like little Missouri, maybe. I think it was. Yeah, it was little okay. Missouri. Yeah. All right. Um, and man, it was awesome. Like 
nobody around at all. It was that'd Can't be beat that. mid early mid March. Yeah, it was cool. All right, so going through my list right here, what can I keep that's fresh water? I'm saving one mm-hmm. for the river that hasn't been mentioned yet, the alternative. <laughs> but I'm going to bring it back to Texas. So the hill country. Mm. I mean, if you're going to fly fish in Texas, the hill country is probably one of the best places to do it. The Frio River in Leakey, Texas. <laughs> so the Frio Beautiful, beautiful river. There's a reason why it's called the Frio. It's cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to catch bass when it's cold. It's a little on the difficult side, especially when the water is as clear as the ice in my whiskey right now. <laughs> you know, so uh went down there with my dad. We went in November about two years ago. I was like, ah, it pops. So my dad taught me to fly fish. He loves to do it. So let's go down the Nueces, rent a cabin. So he found us a cabin outside Leakey on the river. Beautiful, you know, big old cypress trees lining the bank. Water's nine feet deep, and you can count pebbles on the bottom, and it's cold. Mm-hmm. I have never been so frustrated with bass in my life. <laughs> really? Generally speaking, you put me on a river with bass, I can catch them. I mean, they got to the point where I was drifting a 12-foot leader with 6X fluorocarbon and a shad pattern underneath it from, like, 50 feet up in front of a fish. And they would, like, look at the fly and move aside and then move back in. (laughs) I was like, what is going on? So, like, we spent four days down there. When I fished, I think I caught one little bluegill on the Frio. But we ended up, like, going to fish the upper quad. We fished... I think we went and fished the Perdinalis. We fished an oasis. Um, and there's another river. We fished four rivers, like, in four days. Mm. But we were based on the Frio, and yeah. that's where I had, like, the most frustrating experience ever. Yeah. So I will say the Frio, beautiful scenery, great place to go tubing. Fishing, not so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I had a bachelor party at the Frio oh. and had a similar experience. So I just went to catching long ear sunfish and had a blast. Yeah. So I'm going to take us uh, a couple rivers north and go to the Lano. And Beautiful this is, place. Yeah. This is one of those uh, people may get mad at me for talking about it because. Dude, you, there's no secrets on the Lano. Dude. But comparatively to like the other rivers, you know, like. It doesn't get the pressure. You don't see the folks. You don't get the tubers. That's the big no, thing. Yeah. You don't get those water sports folks right, right. And, the, and the parties. Yeah, so uh, me and my buddies uh, from college usually take a late summer uh, kayak trip down the Lano, and uh, we'll do you know some fishing, camp out on the river, you know, and, and uh, make use of our very awesome stream access laws here in Texas right. where, you know, if you're below the bank or whatever, look those up. Don't trust we me. We got that right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, um, man, the Leno River, whenever you take in the, the account that it's usually clear, you can catch Guadalupe's, you can catch Rio Grande cichlids, you can catch a large mouse, you can catch small mouse, even though they're kind of problematic. Uh, you can catch yellow cats, you can catch channel cats, you can catch every sunfish imaginable it is and not to mention the carp that are giants yeah. in there if you can get them to hit and then in the winter old boy stalks trout up the way now i'm not a big fan of stalkers but hey they're there that's yeah. another species to catch it's kind of fun you add that 
with some delicious turkey sausage and barbecue from Lano, Texas. Oh, you must have been going to Cooper's. Well, Cooper's oh, wait, is wait, where wait, the wait. barbecue is. Yeah. Across the street, up the hills, Emmons Kitchen, that's where the turkey sausage is. Ah. Not saying one's better than the other, you should go to both. That's what I think. <laughs> so, yeah. I Cooper's. just added another, another thing of things I need to do <laughs> this <laughs> summer. Inman's Kitchen. Inman's Kitchen. Yeah, turkey sausage. The beans are terrific. The is beans. that in Cooper or is it in Mason? Or? That is in Lano. In Lano that itself, is in okay. It's Lano proper, yeah. So, hmm. yeah, go there and then uh, just. I'm seriously like, y'all can't see this. I'm right this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm a Texas barbecue connoisseur, and so if I we're gonna sidetrack real quick. Yep. I've often thought like one of the best books you could write is a guide to fly fishing Texas with barbecue. Dude, that would be like killer. A, dude, we need to make a road map. Seriously, buddy, my we started this for a little while. We got like you know about six cities in. Yeah. And then we you know. Got, got sidetracked. <laughs> got busy. <laughs> but we're like, dude, we're going to like write the definitive Texas fly fishing and barbe- barbecue yeah. guidebook. There. Yeah, that'd that, be cool. So, that's a good idea, man. Yeah. That'd All be right. cool. Hey, I, I encourage you to finish that off someday. I know. I someday. would love to. Someday. I would buy it, man. I would buy yeah. it. But so, I would expect you to give it to me for free, too. So <laughs> I, I might be able to do something for you. <laughs> so mine is the Llano River from uh, Mason to Llano, Texas. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stay kind of, I guess, real close to the hill country. <clears throat> um, and we're going to move up north to the Paluxy River. Mm. Um, and um, I had this idea and forgot to write it down. And then Sean reminded me before we started this thing that that river existed. And I have fished it several times. My wife went to school at Tarleton State. And so it was kind of one of those, like, I can make a double right. date out of this thing, you know, <laughs> and uh, go see my wife at school, you know, and and then we can go up to Dinosaur Valley State Park and fish the Paluxy there. And I fished outside the park a little bit. Um, uh, in the park, it's really skinny water. Um, at least every time I fished it, there's a couple little holes. Um, there are dinosaur tracks in the riverbed. Mm-hmm. Legitimate. like oh, yeah. Looking like T-Rex. I don't know what kind they are, but they Triceratops. Are, they're awesome looking. And they actually identified a new species of dinosaur in the river. Really? Yeah, there's there's a there's a there's its own species. Now I'll say not recently, like back in the twenties, they excavated because they sent some of the tracks to the nineteen twenties World's Fair, mm-hmm. and there's actually there's a dinosaur that that's like the Paluxysaurus or something. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. Yep, yeah. I did know that. Um, but you see a lot of Triceratops tracks. Yeah, so it's it's cool. You can go see those uh, while you're fishing, and then you can turn around and. Recently, I did this. This was actually what we did last year for spring break. Um, so I don't remember when the West Arkansas thing was, but the Paluxy River last year we went, and I was just throwing bead heads because um, I was just trying to catch stuff. And, man, we caught – I mean, I caught some decent bluegills and stuff, but I was slamming the 6 to 8, maybe a 9 or 10-inch spotted bass in there mm-hmm. on a half weight with, with uh, just like pheasant tail, you know, and – it's a blast. It's good. It's a cool place to go. Take the you know if you got a family or even a wife that might be think that dinosaur tracks are cool, you can go <laughs> fish it for for an hour and a half, you know, and you you're not too far. No, it's not the you know some big destination trip necessarily, but I think cool. on the on the Paluxy, the cool thing about the Paluxy is that a lot of people think about it and ask about it, but when it comes down to fishing. It's just far enough away from the Metroplex that people really won't go down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, if I have a home water, it's the Paluxy. I've spent more days fishing that river than any other place 
on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I have maybe seen, if I counted total, forty people. Wow! Like the entire, like throughout the years, like forty pe- other people fishing that river. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a cool spot to go to. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's worth it. Cool. All right, so I'm gonna go back to the hill country. Mm-hmm. And so the Nueces River in Camp Wood. Um, that river is probably one of my favorite little hill country places that Casey was talking about the Lano not getting a lot of pressure. I think Nueces gets even less pressure. I mean, I think so it's if you look on the map, it is the river due east of the Devils. So you've got like the Devils, then you've got the Nueces. Um, and so similar type of water, just more access. It's there in Camp Wood. Um, kind of goes from Barksdale down to Uvalde. Super, super crystal clear water, full of rios, bluegills, guads. So if you want to catch a pure strain guad, it's one of the few rivers left with pure strain guads. Um, I do want to do that. It's got tilapia in it and just absolutely gorgeous. And the cool thing is access on that is absolutely amazing that there are numerous stream crossings, especially south of town, that you just pull up, park, jump in the river and start fishing. Um, buddy of mine went down there. We stayed at some cabins in town that actually had a river access across the street. <clears throat> they owned the property so you could fish there in town. But then we just kind of took a road map, found these road crossings. I mean, we were we were walking not a whole lot, but we were walking three or four miles a day. You know, we'd walk like two, and a, two miles upstream, two miles back. Mm-hmm. Um, the only sign of life we saw is occasionally you run across like a Mexican cell phone <laughs> or a backpack on the side of the river. Oh. <laughs> And yep. then you'd see Border Patrol, yeah. like, sitting up on top of a bluff watching you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was that was it for human contact. Yeah. Um, we saw more hogs than we saw people. That's killer. Um, That's cool. But, yeah, it's... Uh, that sounds awesome. If you're trying to figure out where it's at, so if you were to go down to San Antonio, it's like an hour and a half due west of San Antonio yeah. and just absolutely gorgeous piece of water, kind of rugged. It's on that Chihuahua Desert, mm-hmm. but zero, zero pressure in... Great, great fishing. It's cool. That would be cool. So, so I'm going to go to something that has a ton of pressure. So <laughs> we're talking about Lano while I go. Um, this is gonna, we're going to venture back in the hunting realm here. Uh, as a young teenager, I thought it was cool to go on dailies hunts whenever I was a kid. And there was a hunt in Lano. I think it's still there to, to this day. If you look on Craigslist or something, day hunt, $75 a day. Don't even think about it. All right, <laughs> I'd say most day hunts that are seventy five dollars a day might not be worth yeah, it. Yeah, it was bad. So, <laughs> point is, this place was terrible. If you want to go have the hill country experience, do it. But man, dailies is in Lano or anywhere for that matter. But my experience was in Lano. Don't cheap out on the dailies, man. <laughs> Get something decent. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm going to take us to just a little bit north. Uh, to a river that has been mentioned several times in this podcast. This is the Lower Mountain Fork River in Oklahoma. Wait, we haven't mentioned that. <laughs> we just referred to it. We alluded to it. We, we danced around. Yeah. There have been illusions. Um, this river is not a river that you want to go to. I have had a 30 fish afternoon on this river. And they're stalker trout, yeah. but they're fun. Um this was several years ago. 
Yes. There have been many floods. Dallas is growing outrageously. Yep. yep. And the tourism in that area has bolstered. And they're, they're like building cabins right now. And if you, want to, if you want somebody to build you a cabin out there right now, oh, sorry, I'm nine months out from building my next cabin, like, from, or building your cabin. I mean, these, it's unreal how fast it's growing out there. And they're, you, I mean, it's shoulder to shoulder. Four I mean, years ago, there were 500 cabins for rent in McCurtain County. Four years ago. And it's probably doubled that by this oh, point. It's crazy. There's restaurants. Uh, there's people everywhere. Yeah. And it's a great place. Like it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's yeah. it's it's accessible. Uh, it's kind of wild, you know. Um, but uh, growing less by the, the day. End yeah. of the day, there's only like two miles of trout water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's Rough. being generous. Yeah, that's yeah. being generous. There's two miles of water to fish, mm. and you're Even, going up there. And you, I've gone up to the evening hole and counted forty. Yeah, forty freaking people in a two hundred yard stretch stacked mm-hmm. in there. For not moving for two hours, yes. just casting the same yeah. spot, yeah. and you're like, "There ain't and no trout." It's funny there. that you know when I when I started working in fly shops, going on like 15 years now, that the first 10 years, Broken Bow was definitely a place that people went to. People asked about it. We had regulars that would come in here and they buying flies, buying leaders. They're going to Broken Bow every weekend. Mm-hmm. I'd say in the last two years, it's gotten to the point where now my Broken Bow customer is. I've never been up there. I want to go check it out. They buy flies, and then they never go back again. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just gotten to the point. It's just like just not enough water and too many people. Yeah. yeah. So I would, I'm going to vote the, uh, yeah, broken bow. Unless yeah. you're going to go in the middle of the week, like during the school year. In terrible weather. <laughs> in terrible weather. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only time I go up there. Yeah, I, I still it. feel like that with the with the floods they had, it, it just blasted some trout out of that oh, area. Yeah. I mean, there's just not the numbers that no. there used to be, and the river actually changed its course. So we, they had such a violent oh, yeah. flood. Yeah. So, so I will give something a little bit anecdotal and give a little sunshine to the rain here. Mm. That's the lower mountain fork. Have you ever been to the upper mountain fork above the reservoir? I have gone up there to fish. The narrows for sand bass. Okay, that's yeah. the most updone. But okay, please so expand upon. Just downriver from the narrows, I believe. Uh, I found a hole down there, a little shady hole. I pulled out a three-pound channel cat and about four largemouth yeah. out of this hole. Never seen a fly in their life. I We're just that. as eager as eager as it gets. Yep. And it was so cool. Be- and the reason I was there is because the lower was intolerable that day. Yeah. Too many folks. Yeah. And it's cool, but I can do that here. So right. I'm not going to make the trip for it. But just so you know, there is more water to go to. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Well, I'm going to add to this because mm-hmm. we like to follow our paths. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you take the lower mountain fork through zone three, down past Highway 70, it eventually hits another river about 20 miles called the Little River, mm-hmm. which the Little River then flows east into Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I will advocate for the Little River. I've done that float trip several times. Um, I've got some friends that have a house um, at the Little River Club outside of Dake. Uh, it's not Day Cab. That's in Texas. De Queen. Mm-hmm. So outside De Queen, there's yeah. a Little River Club. And so we actually went and put in 
canoes and a john boat on the Oklahoma side and floated about 12 miles back to their house. Really pretty, pretty water without a lot of pressure. Um, So we uh, got in a largemouth, huge gar. Um, and on fly, on fly, all cool. on fly. Cool. cool. Uh, no smallies. I was really for smallies, but no smallies, but largemouth, sunfish, and gar all on fly and about a 12 mile float on the Little River. Um, now I will say that the, the hard part about Little River is access, that there is a public put in in Oklahoma that if you go to that put in and stay near your car, you're okay. Don't leave your car and float down because there's a good chance your car might be burned up. Burned <laughs> into it gets kind of rough. Whatever the best of Mercurton County wants to do. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I will say the Little River for a good f- river to float and fish is actually a good alternative to the lower Mountain Fork River. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, since you're on the Gar thing. Uh-huh. I have a deep love for the longfish that is known as the gar. Um, and uh, we are actually sitting right next door to the greatest gar fishery in all the land, right? <laughs> I've actually never fished this area, but uh, I'm well, going to... Well, s- we are connected to the greatest gar yeah. fishery. I mean, it's in the same river. It's We're the just river. like 200 miles north of the river. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's where I love and I love all gar fishing because gar are aggressive, man. They yeah. like to smack stuff, and it's cool, and they love flies. Um, I've done both fly fishing and conventional for alligator gar. I can say that it is really, really tough to sink a hook in alligator gar's jaw with a fly rod. I've not had a lot of success. I've caught some small ones. I've hooked a six-footer and had him on for just a little bit, you know. But the Trinity River... They're kind of that middle stretch, which is like kind of hmm, between Athens, Corsicana, like south, down to around Riverside. Through there, if you can go down there with a big hunk of buffalo on a hook and float underneath a bobber, there's a chance that you're going to catch a fish that's longer than you are. And it is absolutely sick. It is the coolest thing, man. I love it. We caught a 60-pounder right here. Did you really? (laughs) Was it alligator or was it long? Alligator. Yeah. Which surprised me that alligators were this far north. Yeah. I didn't think they would be up here, but yeah, there was a sixty-pound alligator, like literally one hundred and fifty yards from where we're sitting. That's right. cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so come to Tailwaters, you can go outside and catch a giant. Fish. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Make sure you buy the rod first. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I hate to do this to you guys. We're gonna cut that right here. This was a super long podcast. We were really getting into the stories. The next part, part two or part B, whatever we decide to do will be releasing within the next couple days. So it'll be a quick turnaround. We'll get it to you guys, and y'all can listen to the rest of these uh, destinations if you're getting into this. Uh, KC? All right, so for uh, this episode, to kind of show y'all what things are all about and to kind of, I guess, celebrate the fact that we've had 60 episodes, kind of cool. You know, we did this whole 60 places thing. We're going to try to showcase at least most of these 60 places on our Instagram story. So keep up with us. If you don't already, subscribe to our Instagram page, The Element Podcast. And throughout this week, we'll be posting pictures from all of our experiences at all these cool places. And be sure to check out part two with Sean Polk from Tailwaters Fly Fishing Company later in the week. For sure. And uh, 
they didn't have cameras back when you were doing some of this stuff, but it's true. Uh, but we've got a lot of pictures from this stuff, and we're going to be releasing that throughout the week, so it won't all be in one day. Uh, but uh, yeah, keep up with the story, man. Check in on us, and we'll get back with you soon. Remember, this is your element. Living it. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.